Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 110. Today our episode is entitled, God Knows Best. You know, when it really comes down to it, there are a few choices that we have. We can say that the people around us know best, that we ourselves know best, or that God knows best. And the Bible makes the claim over and over again that while we often think we know best, and we maybe sometimes think other people around us know best, that the only one who truly knows what's best, what's right, what's true, what's wise, what's loving, is God himself. And in our passages today, we'll see this over and over again in various ways, that God is ultimately the one who knows best. We begin today with 1 Kings chapter 4. King Solomon ruled over all Israel. These were his officials. Azariah, son of Zadok, was the priest. Eliaref and Ahijah were sons of Shishai, who wrote down what happened. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was in charge of the records. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was commander of the army. Zadok and Abiathar were priests. Azariah, son of Nathan, was supervisor of the district governors. Zabud, son of Nathan, was a priest and advisor to the king. Ahishar was supervisor of the palace. Adoniram, son of Abda, was supervisor of the work crews. Solomon had 12 district governors appointed throughout Israel who acquired supplies for the king and his palace. Each was responsible for one month of the year. These were their names. Ben-Hur was in charge of the hill country of Ephraim. Ben-Decker was in charge of Makaz, Shabim, Beth Shemesh, and Elam Beth Hanan. Ben-Hased was in charge of Arabath, who controlled Sukkoth, Sukkoth and the territory of Hefer. Ben Abinadab was in charge of Naphlador. He was married to Solomon's daughter Tapha. Bana, son of Ahilud, was in charge of Tanak and Megiddo, as well as all of Beth Sheen, next to Zerathan, below Jezreel, from Beth Shan to Abel Mahola, and on pa- and on past Jokmiam. Ben Geber was in charge of Ramoth Gilead. He controlled the villages of Jer, son of Manasseh and Gilead, as well as the region of Argba and Bashan including 60 large walled cities with bronze bars locking their gates. Ahinadab, son of Edo, was in charge of Mahanaim. Ahimez was in charge of Naphtali. He married Solomon's daughter, Basemath. Bana, son of Hushai, was in charge of Aishur, Asher, and Alath. Jehoshaphat, son of Paruah, was in charge of Issachar. Shimei, son of Allah, was in charge of Benjamin. Geber, son of Uri, was in charge of the land of Gilead, the territory which had once belonged to King Zion of the Amorites and to King Og of Bashan. He was sole governor of the area. The people of Judah and Israel were as innumerable as the sand on the seashore. They had plenty to eat and drink and were happy. Solomon ruled over the kingdoms from the Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines, as far as the border of Egypt. These kingdoms paid tribute as Solomon's subjects throughout his lifetime. Each day Solomon's royal court consumed 30 cores of finely milled flour, 60 cores of cereal, 10 calves fattened in the stall, 20 calves from the pasture, and 100 sheep, not to mention rams, gazelles, deer, and well-fed birds. His royal court was so large because he ruled over all the kingdoms west of the Euphrates River from Tifshah to Geza. He was at peace with all his neighbors. 
All the people of Judah and Israel had security. Everyone from Dan to Beersheba enjoyed the produce of their vines and fig trees throughout Solomon's lifetime. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for his chariot horses and 12,000 horses. The district governors acquired supplies for King Solomon and all who aided his royal palace. Each was responsible for one month in the year. They made sure nothing was lacking. Each one also brought to the assigned location his quota of barley and straw for various horses. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment. The breadth of his understanding was as infinite as the sand on the seashore. Solomon was wiser than all the men of the east and all the sages of Egypt. He was wiser than any man, including Ethan the Ezraite or Haman, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol. He was famous in all the neighboring nations. He composed 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs. He produced manuals on botany, describing every kind of plant, from the cedars of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows on its walls. On, on walls. He also produced manuals on biology, describing animals, birds, insects, and fish. People from all nations came to hear Solomon's display of wisdom. They came from all the kings of the earth who heard about his wisdom. And now we turn to some of that wisdom that we hear from Solomon in the book of Proverbs, which is mostly made up of Proverbs of King Solomon. And we begin with Proverbs chapters 1 and 2. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To learn wisdom and moral instruction, to discern wise counsel. To receive moral instruction and skillful living with righteousness, justice, and equity. To impart shrewdness to the morally naive, a discerning plan to the young person. Let the wise also hear and gain instruction, and let the discerning acquire guidance. To discern the meaning of a proverb and a parable, the sayings of the wise and their riddles. Fearing the Lord is the beginning of discernment, but fools have despised wisdom and moral instruction. Listen, my child, to the instruction from your father, and do not forsake the teaching from your mother. For they will be like an elegant garland on your head, and like pendants around your neck. My child, if sinners try to entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, we will we'll lie in wait to shed blood. We will ambush an innocent person capriciously. We will swallow them alive like Sheol, those full of vigor like, like those going down to the pit. We will seize all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with plunder. Join with us. We will all share equally in what we steal. My child, do not go down their way. Withhold yourself from their path, for they are eager to inflict harm and they hasten to shed blood. Surely it is futile to spread a net in plain sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. Such are the ways of all who gain profit unjustly. It takes away the life of those who obtain it. Wisdom calls out in the street. She shouts loudly in the plazas. At the head of the noisy streets, she calls. In the entrances of the gates of the city, she utters her words, saying, How long will you simpletons love naivete? How long have mockers delighted in mockery? And how long will fools hate knowledge? You should respond to my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known to you. However, because I called to you, but you refused to listen, because I stretched out my hand, but no one was paying attention, and you neglected all my advice, and did not comply with my rebuke, so I myself will laugh when disaster strikes you, I will mock when what you dread comes, when what you dread comes like a whirlwind, and disaster strikes you like a devastating storm, when distressing trouble comes on you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer, they will diligently seek me, but they will not find me. Because they hated moral knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. They did not comply with my advice. They spurned all my rebuke. 
Therefore they will eat from the fruit of their way, and they will be stuffed full of their own counsel. For the waywardness of the simpletons will kill them, and the careless ease of fools will destroy them. But the one who listens to me will live in security, and will be at ease from the dread of harm. My child, if you receive my words and stop, store up my commands inside yourself by making your ear attentive to wisdom and by turning your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for discernment, shout loudly for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand how to fear the Lord and you will discover knowledge about God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up effective counsel for the upright and is like a shield for those who live with integrity, to guard the paths of the righteous and to protect the way of his pious ones. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity every good way. For wisdom will enter your heart, and moral knowledge will be attractive to you. Discretion will protect you, understanding will guard you, to deliver you from the way of the wicked, from those speaking perversity, who leave the upright paths to walk in the dark ways. Who delight in doing evil, they rejoice in perverse evil, whose paths are morally crooked and who are devious in their ways, to deliver you from the adulterous woman, from the loose woman who has flattered you with her words, who leaves the husband from her younger days and has ignored her marriage covenant made before God. For she has set her house by death and her paths by the place of departed spirits. None who go to her will return, nor will they reach the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good people and will keep on the paths of the righteous. For the upright will reside in the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be removed from the land and the treacherous will be torn away from it. And so we have the beginning of the book of Proverbs there, Proverbs 1 and 2, which do describe often the contrast between going your own way, going the way of others, or going God's way. And really, a decision has to be made each and every day of our lives. Who knows best? Who will I listen to? And Solomon in Proverbs cries out to us to say, listen to God, listen to his wisdom. And now we move to Psalm 43, which is really a cry out to God again, the God who knows best, even though the person who's writing this is struggling with the sense that God is not near or doesn't seem to care, even through the troubles. He knows God is there, but it cries out to him, to help him see him. Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God. Fight for me against an ungodly nation. Deliver me from deceitful and evil men. For you are the God who shelters me. Why do you reject me? Why must I walk around mourning because my enemies oppress me? Reveal your light and your faithfulness. They will lead me. They will escort me back to your holy hill, to the place where you live. Then I will go to the altar of God, to the God who gives me ecstatic joy, so that I may express my thanks to you. O God, my God, with a harp. Why are you depressed, O my soul? Why are you upset? Wait for God, for I will again give thanks to my God for his saving intervention. And now we conclude today with Romans chapter 9, a reminder again that God is the one who knows best, and that means he often tells us things that are hard for us to hear, But as we hear these hard things, we need to be reminded that God's ways are higher than our ways. His knowledge is beyond our ability to understand completely. And the real question is, will we trust him? And as we read through Romans 9, we have to remember Romans 8 that says we can trust God even though we don't understand all his ways because he is the God who loves with an unending, undying, 
unstoppable love. Romans chapter 9. I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying, for my conscience assures me in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I wish that I myself were accursed, cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, my fellow countrymen, who are Israelites. To them belong the adoption as sons, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, by human descent, came Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. It is not as though the word of God had failed, for not all those who are descended from Israel are truly Israel, nor are all children Abraham's true descendants. Rather, through Isaac will your descendants be counted. This means it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, rather the children of promise are counted as descendants. For this is what the promise declared. About a year from now I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our ancestor Isaac, even before they were born or had done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose in election would stand not by works but by his calling, It was said to her, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice with God? Absolutely not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it does not depend on human desire or exertion, but on God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may demonstrate my power in you, and that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, God has mercy on whom he chooses to have mercy, and he hardens whom he chooses to harden. You will say to me then, Why does God still find fault? For who has ever resisted his will? But who indeed are you, a mere human being, to talk back to God? Does what is molded say to the molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right to make from the same lump of clay one vessel for special use and another for ordinary use? But what, God, but what if God, willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience the objects of wrath prepared for destruction? And what if he is willing to make known the wealth of his glory on the objects of his mercy that he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles? As he also says in Hosea, I will call those who are not my people, my people, and I will call her who was unloved, my beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out on behalf of Israel, saying, Though the number of the children of Israel are as the sand of the sea, only the remnant will be saved, for the Lord will execute his sentence on the earth completely and quickly. Just as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of heaven's armies had not left us descendants, we would have become like Sodom, and we would have resembled Gomorrah. What shall we say then? that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness obtained it, that is, a righteousness that is by faith. But Israel, even though pursuing a law of righteousness, did not attain it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but, as if it were possible, by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written. Look, 
I am laying in Zion a stone that will cause people to stumble, a rock that will make them fall. Yet the one who believes in him will not be put to shame. And so the Apostle Paul is saying that God's ways are beyond us, that God chooses who he will save. And he doesn't choose based on what people are like or what they can do or their qualities, but he chooses them by grace. He chooses them in ways that are beyond our ability to understand. And yet our responsibility, as our passage tells us, is to believe in the one who will not put us to shame. That our job is to put our faith and our trust in Jesus and trust in his gracious love, knowing that our ability to see him, to know him, and to experience his love is a gift of God's grace. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You're-